Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. And as always, I'm here with Mr. Casey Clapp. It's a good day to you, Alex. A good day, Casey. A very hot day here in Portland. Oh, yeah. Probably everyone in the Southwest is like, tell me about it, assholes. Yeah. We're hitting 105 today. That's what they... I heard yesterday was 105. Okay, yeah. Today's 101, I think. Uh, Okay, yeah. So either way, Um, it's just hot as hell. Yep, and we aren't going to take it anymore, nope. as they say. You know what? Also, I noticed it's just, there's so much, like, haze in the air. Yeah. It's just so bad. Like, I, I drove out of uh, where I was because I'm living much further away. Uh, normally, I ride my bike here, as most people know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to pick up a bunch of stuff and do a bunch of things. So, fortunately, I had to drive. And, God, it was just filled with haze out there. And every time that happens, like, yeah, I feel, it's nice to be in the air conditioning, but I'm also like, air conditioning is causing this problem. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's the it's the tool we have, unfortunately. It is. It's the tool we have. And honestly, it's not air conditioning. That is just, I, I don't even want to remotely say that. <laughs> it, it's energy just like anything else. But yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that probably way more exacerbating the problem than just people using air conditioning i mean it's it's air conditioning or death at this point Casey, <laughs> it really so. is yeah 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 so uh, and that is uh is more true than most people probably wish to admit yeah it's it's I, I meant it literally yeah right uh casey anyway woof we can talk about that some other time we sure can everything is cool it's everything's cool. great <laughs> <laughs> um casey i wanted to say to give our fungal associates a little update mm-hmm on some t-shirts that they may have pre-ordered last month. Is that like a t-shirt you're wearing right now? Oh my God. I literally did not even realize that I was wearing this t-shirt. No. Oh man, I noticed it and I was just like, hell yeah. But here it is on my body. Looks Um, good. I'm wearing the sample of the t-shirt that we got. This is our Tree Buds t-shirt. Yep. Uh, It's an illustration done by Tori Gorham of two little tree friends. I imagine they have some sort of budding romantical situation going on yeah it does Um, look like that right they could be platonic friends yeah um, but how many platonic friends sit so close to each other in a glade of beautiful trees I know. With, sharing their ear pods? And they're kind of like sitting on their knees. You know, they're like ready for action. Mm-hmm. They're about, they're ready to spring onto each yeah. other. It looks like one of their hands is about to touch the other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so we ordered, uh, we placed the order last month yep. of these t-shirts and I got noticed today and we're recording this a couple days before it comes out. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, 
They'll be in our hot little hands. We will have picked them up and are ready to ship. We're probably already shipping them as we speak. Exactly. So as you hear this, that is your sign to check your mailbox in a couple days. Yeah. Because they're going to be on their way. That's right. I love this shirt, Casey. You know, you never know when you when you come up with a piece of merch. Yeah. I, I forgot, by the way, that I came up with this idea for this art itself. Yeah, you did. You Tori reached out to us originally uh-huh. and was like, I'd love to collaborate with you guys. And we saw one of their pieces. And then I, you basically said, now, what if they were both sharing the earbuds, these two characters yeah. that Tori drew? And Oh, oh, that's right. Did she? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. She gave us like a nice big, long spread. Of like, here are a couple of my ideas. Wow, Tori's so awesome. Yeah, so any of you other budding artists out there who want to, I don't know, give us merch, or rather, I guess, draw merch. (laughs) uh, Let us steal your idea? Yes, we're going to take your idea. We're going to call it our own. Uh, (laughs) Send us what you got. This is actually how you get a lot of the Cone of the Month Club as well, isn't it? It's true. I don't. I don't go seeking for Cone of the Month Club artists much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're coming to us, Casey. Yes, it's a and, good sign. Uh, not to give too much away, but this month, Alex, yeah. do you want to share something special? Well, I have been. Uh, I've been drawing a lot on my mm-hmm. iPad mm-hmm. on Procreate. I used to love drawing as a child. Procreate. That's so good. <laughs> um, and I. I have been kind of reliving a little bit of that. And Casey, we have yeah. decided that this month. The Cone of the Month Club Cone, it's hard to say, will be drawn by me. Alex Croson, the (laughs) Alex Croson, multimedia artist extraordinaire. Oh, wow. It's going to be great. You got audio, you got other kinds of audio, now you got visual, now you got another kind of visual, and you have a third, it's... See, you can pro- do anything is what I'm saying, Alex. The problem with being a pretty good at a lot of things is that you're not great at one thing. <laughs> not quite a renaissance man. You're more uh, like no. eh, just late middle ages man. <laughs> I'm just like shitting in the street and eating yep. rotten meat covered in cinnamon. Exactly. But you know what? You're doing it. You're doing it just okay <laughs> in every regard. Oh, late middle ages. Oh, geez. That's really um, exciting, Alex. Thanks, Casey. Yeah. I, uh, I'm excited to draw it. And we're actually tonight, I think, on our live stream, mm-hmm. uh, which, which will have happened by the time you hear this as exactly. well. We'll be, we'll be selecting and sketching some cones for me to draw. Yeah. So we're going to go through um, them. Alex is going to be doing a little bit of, of artistry at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But I think we'll also I'm terrified. be... You are? Are you really? I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a good, I'm not a good drawer. Mm, I don't but have, you are a good performer. Uh, sh- sure. Once you are friends with really, really good artists it's uh, hard yeah. to say yeah i know how to draw yeah I when guess i'm like nice. friends with leanne flug you know? <laughs> yeah. she ever yeah, heard me yeah, say that that's fair yeah, yeah i was gonna say well you yeah, see i think if leanne heard you say that leanne would be like no you're a great artist right like, don't worry about it she'd be very encouraging yes 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 but anyway well yeah you're gonna be doing that and uh just to dovetail if uh if you have reached out to us we're sorry if we haven't come back to you if you want to Send us anything. This yeah. is how we really love to get people who are passionate about it, listeners to the show, and we'd like to show off your work. So if you want to be a part of the Cone of the Month Club, A, go to Patreon and sign up. If you want to perhaps be a Cone of the Month Club artist, send us a quick line. Yeah. Convince me that you can draw <laughs> a cone that I would look at and be yeah. like, yeah, that's a sick-ass cone. Just know that when <laughs> we go over these, Casey is sitting in his big leather-bound chair. Mm-hmm. He's stroking his goatee. Glasses down to the tip of my nose. <laughs> looking at reference books all over. And he, he only does one of two things. He either nods, which is a yes, he likes it, or he says, next. 
Exactly. So anyway, just, uh, yeah, put yourself out there. Yeah, uh, please. <laughs> and we'll judge you mercilessly. We'll judge you the way that, <laughs> the way that no one wants to be judged. That's arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Casey. Alex Croson, we're not here to talk about this. No, we've got a very lonely, sad tree to talk about today. What's up? Very true. Uh, we do get to talk about a cone, though, which is, which is great. Because it's a conifer this we're talking conifer. about today. That's yeah. right. Maybe maybe a future cone of the month, Casey. Oh. How, how would that be? Hey, sounds good. Um, Draw a nice little circle. <laughs> well, it's, el- it's elongated. Uh, you're right. You're right. Hey, don't bury the lead now. <laughs> or the opposite of bury the lead. Don't expose it. Don't expose the lead. Yeah. We've got to take a short break. But right after that, we are getting into this week's treat, the Sahara Cypress. Buckle up wow like seriously go get it go whatever you need to calm yourself down go get it because this is going to be a wild ride and with that we'll be right back with completely arbitrary ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we are talking the Sahara Cypress. That's right. Scientific name. You got this? You, did, you, uh, did you look it up? I could certainly try, Casey. All right. This one should be fun. It's actually one of those that looks more complicated than it actually is. Well, let's see here. This is the... Cupressus yes. Dupreziana. Dupreziana. It's great. It's named after this guy, uh, Captain Duprez, uh, oh. who is a uh, French dude who found this tree. Now, I, I, it was the first European to notice this tree. Thank you for for making that correction. It usually is the case, right? Yeah, it's sort of a given, huh? It really is in most uh, instances. And so... Um, Whenever we say they discovered it, it's like, well... Yeah. They brought it back to the Royal Society. Exactly. And then they published it, and now everyone says, well, that's science. They are the first ones to actually right. count for it. It's like, well, sure, but you just <sighs> didn't ask those other people. Isn't it crazy, the system we've, we've built? It is. Honestly, I think it's crazier to like see that that is just like this minute little crust of like the the actuality of who knows about trees you mm. know and i guess when i mean crust everyone says well here's science we're the first ones to discover this but then if you just look below the crust you find out that no 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 there's like this gigantic layer right. of information that people have had about this tree for um, yeah. so long they just didn't approach it in the same way i guess a millennia long relationship 
that just yeah. wasn't published in European papers. Exactly, yeah. Because most of the time, you know, Europeans hadn't even really been down there. I mean, sure, you'd have the Romans and then the people after the Romans and all this. Like, this has been a part of the world, the Northern Sahara. Yeah, that's where that's where we are, North, North Africa. Exactly, yeah. So this is, um, it's a part of the world where people have been for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking through the history of the Sahara Desert, and it was, I think, like, the earliest people f- were found there, like this this one kind of culture was like 8,000 years ago. Wow. So it's been inhabited by people for a long time. But funny enough, it's actually come and gone. So some people have been there for a really long time. Hmm. And then other people have left for like a couple thousand years before they then found evidence of another culture completely different. And oh. it turns out some of them may have been like coming from South Africa into the Sahara uh-huh. Desert and then they disappeared and then people came from Europe down into this area and you know how they could tell how one was like who was who yeah yeah one was significantly shorter like one the the first uh, people were like over six feet uh-huh. and they were like these intense hunter-gatherers and like did all sorts of things with all the other animals that lived in the Sahara at the time from Africa yeah, assuming yeah because they, they also looked through and said yes these people had dark skin and I don't uh, know how they can tell this but they told it somehow um, but these are also like a little bit later and then the next people they found were significantly shorter <laughs> and it was like yeah so the first yeah. people 10,000 to 8,000 years ago they're called the, the Kiffians Oh, Kiffian. They certainly knew about our tree. Interesting. And then they ended up having this, uh, you know, let's say the people came, they went, they came, they went. Now you have some people that live there now. And those people call this the Tarot. 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 Not tarot. Not tarot. I believe I looked this up, but it was very hard to find it. But there's also an island in the, I think the Gulf, uh, the Arabian Gulf, uh, that's called the Tarot Island. I'm not hmm. sure, but it appears it's pronounced Tarot, spelled T-A-R-O-U-T. Okay. Well, Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I are taking a little trip to Algeria. Let's do it. Let and we come across, of course, some Tarot trees would you say tarot trees or just say that some tarot well i think technically we'd say tarot okay we come across some tarot casey let's id this tree that sounds great alex have you ever seen a windpipe casey's pulling his shirt down to expose his cleavage i'm sorry excuse me alex (laughs) my eyes are up here sir it's a i was i was remembering Uh, a trachea isn't that the term uh for the the wind you have your esophagus esophagus is food trachea trachea is is your your air i think so so your windpipe your trachea yeah is connected to your lungs i have heard this yes okay now imagine that you flip Mm. that upside down Okay. That's what this tree looks like. Oh, like a pipe with two uh, two uh, kidneys growing off the side. Yeah, or probably more accurately described as lungs. lungs. Yeah, <laughs> like, anyway. yeah, let me let me try. <laughs> let me try improving upon your analogy here. You really did a good job. <laughs> yes, it's interesting. Actually, I I have to look at a picture, Casey. Yes, so give a give a picture. Now you're not going to necessarily see this as 100 percent the case, but to rot is actually a Tamashek word that means uh, it's the windpipe and the lungs of a grazing animal. Oh my God. So that's what it looks like. It's a butcher's term. And they describe it because this tree kind of grows up, sends out branches that come up, but then some of the branches also kind of go down a little bit. 
Wow. But people would go underneath these trees for, for millennia. And some of it would get eaten by goats and some of it would be kind of pruned off for firewood, whatever mm. someone could reach. So a lot of them kind of develop this, this one central stem that then has these two big kind of poof things that come off on the side. Yeah. And then two or three or like some amount of bigger kind of bushier uh, canopies, I guess, growing up with kind of a middle that is sometimes uh, a little bit like pyramidal and then sometimes just not. That's a great, great uh, visual analogy. I mean, Isn't it comes fun? from the etymology of the word. That's fantastic. Exactly. So that's the that's their term for it. That's wonderful, Casey. What yeah. did you say the the indigenous group? Um, oh, this is the the language uh, of the people that live there. It is Temeshek. Temeshek is the yes. language. T a m a s h e k. And Tarat is a is a is a butcher's term. Uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, in this wow. language, and I don't know, uh, you know, Incredible. when this uh, initially came. I don't know how old the term is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how old these necessarily people are where this uh, l- exact language kind of came from. Okay. But it's come back and forth. There's been a lot of people who've lived in this area. But the other thing that just as a quick let's you know how are we discussing these trees? This is going to come up a little bit later. But there are, this tree is such an isolated population of trees. Yeah. And each population individually, like each small group of trees, is uh-huh. also so isolated. Sometimes it's just one tree right over there. Wow. They name these trees individually. Oh my God. That is how few there are and how separated they are that you can look at it and be like, oh, that tree is it one instance. Oh, that's the one by the flat stones. That is, uh, that's dire if you really look at it. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit about it, but I think that's such a fun thing where each tree has a name. It also sometimes has a name for people who are going by. I read that sometimes, uh, travelers would like set their stuff in a tree and then like leave for sometimes years at a time and then come back and their stuff would still be there. So that, that name of this tree be like, Oh yeah, well that's Joe's tree over there. Yeah, yeah, Joe's had his stuff there for like wow. five years. So, yeah, yeah, go by Joe's tree and then take a right, and then that'll take you down over here. And they know where to find it again because it's the only tree within miles. Exactly. When yeah. they did this, and I'll, I'll give it away, there's 231 of these trees. That's so crazy. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. They counted a couple uh, years ago. I think it's probably a couple decades now, and they had 233. And then when they recounted the most recent stuff I found, I think in like 2008, is saying there are 231 trees. Wow. So two of them have perished. Oh my gosh. I think I remember reading that one got backed over by a truck. <laughs> so now it's, oh, it's gone. Oh, how yeah, tragic. It's pretty, pretty tragic. Uh, Casey, <laughs> you know, besides the, besides the sort of very curious, unique morphology. Yeah. Uh, of this thing it does look like a cypress i i'm so happy you said that Hmm. because when i look at it i think to myself this doesn't look like a special tree this looks like a cypress yeah it's i mean it's very juniper-esque to me exactly yes which is of course in the cypress family and they are the those those are sister groups Mm -hmm. junipers and cypress are very very closely related and and juniper are in cupressaceae they are yes exactly in that family but so generally it's a tree that has like a this pyramidal shape mm-hmm. right the pyramidal shape grows up and it has uh, a kind of feathery green but very dense canopy beautiful and it tends to send up branches all along the side so you get instead of having one pyramidal tree which it starts out as as a young tree it tends to develop multiple main stems as it grows up mm. and they also live for something like 2,000 years. I think the oldest one Holy is dated shit. as 2,200 years. Woo! 
So, you know, you're going to have a tree that looks pretty fucked up by that time. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to maintain its perfect triangular form. Sure. 2,000 years, a lot happens in that amount of time. It's been through the ringer. I mean, that, yeah, those that's kind of a classic thing, like with the bristlecone pine. Yes, they just, exactly. You can see the history in their shape. And that's what, what makes it beautiful, right? Gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. And then take on top of that, that these are trees that grow out in kind of these uh, these highlands. It's in a, an area that's called the Tassili Niger Massif. Hmm. And a massif is like a big geological feature that just kind of comes up out of nowhere. Okay. Most of the time it's like you imagine um, a crust section that just kind of goes and goes up. So it's almost like this big vertical kind of cliff. I'm ima- imagining like a mesa. Yeah, kind of like a mesa, okay. but a mesa I think usually is like there's there's sides to it, and it's one big round thing, kind of uh-huh. like a flat top butte or something. Uh-huh. This is like that, but it's like 75 miles long, but not very wide. Interesting. So it just is this nice strip. So as you're walking, there's no other trees. You're literally smack dab in the center of the Sahara Desert wow. in southeastern Algeria. Now, the Sahara isn't like, um, the Sahara is like a grassland, right? No. It is a desert. It is the biggest hot desert in the world. A hot desert. And that means like just sand for miles. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Now, what am I thinking of, Casey? Um, You might just be thinking of- Yes, exactly. So it's like a grassland that is, uh, just has not a lot of water, not enough water for trees- but enough water that grasses grow or maybe like the, the plains in South Southern Africa where there's like a tree here, a tree there. Your umbrella thorns. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So the that, Sahara is straight up sand dunes. Rocks. Don't go out there. You're going to yeah. fucking die. <laughs> exactly. Now, I, I believe it's not 100% just sand dunes in the traditional like go to the beach, there's sand dunes. Mm-hmm. There is a bunch of giant sand dunes in this area, but much of it's also just blanket rock just like Hmm. you just walk down into say southern california they don't have necessarily dunes in their deserts they just have sporadic very low plants big rocks and then just giant spaces of very few things other than rock and sand because a lot of it gets blown away and kind of eroded so you just get this big like arid nothing interesting yeah well i know at a a macro this this tree looks very cypress like Mm -hmm. does it also have Cypress like micro elements. All the micro elements. I tell you what, dude. <laughs> All right, Trump. This is a, oh, <laughs> it is. It does. It, it's I nothing about this tree is like extraordinary in terms uh, of exactly what it looks like. It yeah. looks like a cypress. Right. It's got the same kind of leaves that are the in fact they're descri- described as cuprosoid leaves. Wow. So literally they're the it's a cypress that has cypress-like leaves. That's so funny. A little bit like roll your eyes, you know. Well, I guess if it's so good of a description, what do you do? You are you the kind of person that would define something using the the thing itself? Sometimes, like oh, that, what's a tree? It's something that's tree-like. Uh, probably not. I, I mean, I might make myself laugh by doing that. Okay, yeah, that's but, fair. But not uh, if I'm actually trying to describe <laughs> You're something. trying to do that? Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, so cypress-like yes. needles, so what which does that are mean, very evocative. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, they are oppositely arranged along a stem, Okay. and they have these, they're very oppressed to the twigs, so right. they look like these scales going down, just like most other cypresses. In fact, the, the not juvenile, but the adult 
uh, in the kind of later growth on a juniper looks exactly the same. Okay. So they're pressed and then they overlap. So you have two on the left and right, then you have two on the top and bottom. It's called imbricate. Exactly. You are so good. That's a callback to uh, a discussion <laughs> we had before we yeah, started recording. so good. Uh, yes, they are imbricate and decusset, which means they form kind of a plus if you look down. Oh, sure. If you look at it from kind of the end, yeah. it looks like it goes, there's one here and there's one there, one there, right. one there. De- what was that word? Decusset. Decusset. Yeah. So essentially, if you look at it from the very tip down the twig, it looks like a plus sign. Cool. But because they're so oppressed, it's really hard to see that. Sure. You know? But the, the the splays of foliage themselves are, are very flat. They go off in one plane, mm-hmm. which is important because that is in contrast to the Italian or the Mediterranean cypress, a very closely related species. Which are not flat. Yes, they come off in kind of all directions. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. so this is, this is almost more like... Uh, like a fir branch or something. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's perfect. Cool. But then, of course, um, they have a little teeny tiny uh, gland that puts out a little bit of resin, but that's at the very hmm. base of the leaf, which is covered up by the leaf behind it. Oh, my God. So you can actually only see it if like it's dead and you, the other leaves kind of fall away. Must be quite small. What is the resin for to keep stuff out? Um, yeah, it's just kind of a thing that many cypresses have, also hmm. many junipers, where it just has a little bit of a resin gland that just puts out a little resin. Not really sure what it does. Interesting. You might call in some insects to come do do something it might make it smell better but also might just be a defense for some reason yeah sure. i yeah. mean there's a third option uh d which is none of the above well d is really is it, the, f- the fourth uh, option <laughs> d is just d man if you have to ask you can't you shouldn't know uh d is like uh you know it's it's an anachronism yeah come from something else right yeah we just don't even it doesn't even matter anymore it's just that's the way it is it's just the way it grows but at some point in the last million years yeah you know. honestly that's alex that's something i should look up and look into is figure out if there's a reason for it if like if there is some some ecological anachronism there because i don't technically wow. know it's what a very a, good Rip roaring Friday night for you, Casey. Isn't it? Researching uh, cypress uh, sap ducks. <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is my life, isn't it? You're right. You're right. <laughs> I love you, Case. Thanks, Alex. I love you too. One thing I really love uh, also is uh, the the bark of any cypress or cedar or false cedar. Have I you looked say. up the bark of this one? Yes. It's stunning. It is like. Uh, pure distilled cypress bark. That is such a good descriptor. It's like fibrous. It's orange. It has like these big furrows that come into it. Yeah. It is just, it's super gorgeous. And it plays, in my opinion, to the desertness of this whole section. Because if you go down to the Southwest, it has like this mm. certain color palette, you know? Yeah. The trees, the, the grasses that are growing there, this kind of like okra color over here ochre maybe i guess how you pronounce it yeah, sage green exactly kind of, kind of uh the gray purple gray. Yeah, yeah exactly with like this kind of off yellow often mm. it, all those things still play for this desert i love it they are both deserts they for whatever reason have converged on these different techniques in fact many times it's the same species of tree growing there many times in the southwest you get the arizona cypress for example in california there's like 10 different cypress species Mm. all growing these weird arid areas so this tree does the same thing and of course it's a goddamn conifer so it's got all these beautiful little cones that grow on it 
And those little cones are just slightly smaller than the Mediterranean or Italian cypress. Okay. And a little bit more elongated. So they're kind of more of an, uh, a smaller oval than a bigger, more circle-like. I see that. that Interesting. Yeah. They're almost cylindrical in a way. They are. They look very much like that, don't they? Which is kind of weird. They have like apparently 12 to 19 scales, which doesn't make any sense because their scales are paired. So why do they have 19? How are there 19? Exactly. And I looked. Where's that last scale? It might be that they kind of mistyped and it meant to be 12 to 19 pairs of scales. That seems like too many. That seems like way too many. It seems like they have maybe five or six pairs. Yes. That is what I think, which would be 10 to 12. So this would be Hmm. six to 10 pairs of scales. You know why? Yeah, why? If you buy 18 scales, you get one free. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I see. All right. This I, this makes so much sense. I Why didn't I think of that, Alex? <laughs> so dumb. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is good, brilliant comedy. No one's going to take that away from oh, me. Oh, yeah, it's a best of moment, of course. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make a best of, and it's just going to be a bunch of our jokes, and people are going to laugh, and that's going to be in there. Three hours of silence. <laughs> <laughs> white noise yeah well there's gonna be some ads in there just to be clear <laughs> oh my god we have to make this happen oh, that'd be so good you hear Wolfpack did that some years ago yes so good what'd they call it it was like sleepify was the name of the album yeah something like that it was just silent and it made uh-huh. like twenty thousand dollars yep <laughs> That was just so good. They did it as a protest to yes. uh, Spotify's uh, payouts. Exactly. And then they did an entire tour, but made it 100% free. Yep. Or like very discounted tickets. Yeah. God, brilliant. Brilliant. So the funny thing about this is that their cones have seeds in it. And usually there's Weird. a couple couple seeds. I know it's it's a it's a... It's a thing that you don't normally see, <laughs> but this cone in this tree does things differently, so you expect it. Sure. But they generally only have about 10% are viable embryos. So for every oh. seed, rather, I guess, one in every 10 seeds is going to be viable. And the rest are inert? The rest are just infertile. And Interesting. There's, a, there's some people who've studied this because this tree caught fire. In a uh, <gasps> metaphorical sense. Oh, thank God. In a, uh, what is it, a, a figurative sense. Yes. A couple uh, decades ago. And so people kind of turned their heads and were like, I'm sorry, what? And like really started mm. getting into it. Um, because first off, we should know, this tree grows in this really wild uh, like Sahara desert area. There's no other trees that are close. A couple thousand years ago, the Sahara Desert was going in like different phases. So it has these big cycles. Hmm. So at one point, there was probably a forest of these cypress trees growing around the kind of the entire Mediterranean. Uh, Growing up on the north side in kind of Europe and Greece in uh, the Italian peninsula, Croatia, those kinds of places. Then you also had some in Spain. You had a bunch in the Atlas Mountains and then all the way on this northern Africa kind of section. So this area over time has gone through these cycles, right? Mm -hmm. And the tree itself is gone through these cycles with it. Remember, the oldest one is like 2,200 years. Right. So it's lived, I mean, that would go through while Rome was battling Carthage, which was this place in North Africa. Mm. So these people and the peoples before this have been working with this tree for a long time. But 
they would go and cut them down and use them for wood. Great wood, like aromatic. It was very strong. It was beautiful. You can go get this tree. It grows very slowly, so it's very hard, and it's very um, very tough wood, not decay, uh, very decay-resistant kind of thing. Okay. They'd use it for... All sorts of stuff? Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Okay. In fact, still today, immigrants and migrants from Southern Africa that mm-hmm. go up through, like, say, Libya to try to get to Europe, they often will still break off bits of these trees and use them for firewood when it gets mm. too cold in this desert. Sounds like a good firewood. Does. It's a great firewood, which sucks because there are now <laughs> 231 hey. individuals No left. more. No more firewood. Yeah, and... <laughs> So because it only has this 10% uh, seed yeah. germination, we have seen literally two documented cases oh. of this tree actually reproducing and regenerating itself. That's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And this also has to do with desertification of the Sahara Desert. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's only a matter of time that desertification comes in. It totally is. Suddenly and- there's a there's a bougie, trendy uh, <laughs> salon that cuts men's hair, and there's a the puzzle shop. And what do you mean desertification? The, the, na- the natural wine Where shop. Where the hell are you coming up with this? <laughs> is this like the desert becomes Palm Springs or something? I'm using desertification. I, I'm pretending that I'm, I'm confusing it for gentrification. Oh, God. Thank you. Okay. I did not get that. I thought you were just like, everyone's <laughs> loves to live in the desert so this is going to become quite fashionable here pretty soon don't worry yeah yeah yes well this is apparently uh yes that is exactly it (laughs) it's sometimes better when stuff doesn't land (laughs) i i really i really relish it it's fun it takes me so long sometimes i'm like what is he Usually it's I can put it together. Fault, Alex. Man. This is yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take half credit for this. <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, so there's natural cycles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's also people coming in, and people have. I don't want to say decimated, but mm. over a long period of time, because there's not a high carrying capacity in this area, and most people carrying live, capacity. Yeah, it's how many uh, organisms or how much production can a piece of land oh. produce? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much can it support? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in this area, this tree is for all these different reasons, people cutting it down. It's a very arid space Mm. to begin with. It's also going through natural cycles where it's about the same dryness today as it was about 13,000 years ago. Oh, geez. So all these things come together to put this tree in a really precarious situation. So this precarious situation is that the trees are not only their whole population is extremely, uh, Remote, mm-hmm. and I, I'll give you a quick idea of how how remote it is. Okay, the whole space that every single one of these trees naturally exists in today is seventy five miles long and between four and ten miles wide. Oh my gosh, that is it. Say that one more time, Casey. This it, is the end. This is the endemic. Endemism. Oh, yeah, you en- got it. Endemicism. Yeah, endemicism. Yes, endemic. we need that C. Ism, yes, endemicism. Endemicism yeah. of the Sahara Cypress. Yes. Now, this is the entire population? This is the entire natural population. It's within 75-mile-long 70, uh, uh-huh. space by 4 to 10 miles wide. That's absurd. Yeah. If you go to one of our links, it's conifers.org. It goes straight to this, and they have a little yep. map. And you look at this map, and you just keep expanding out. And it's just... This tiny little group of trees 
in the, I mean, dead center wow. of the Sahara Desert. And that's it. Wow. I, I'm stunned. Yeah. You want to, you want a little bit, a little bit more to add to that? Hit me. There are, again, 231 individuals. Wow. Each one of those is within 46 different sites within this area. And they're all spread Mm. out. Okay. And there are 46 sites, period. Yes. Okay. And those trees no longer are close enough to each other that they can pollinate each other because they're wind pollinated. I think you'd have to be. Exactly. But they're still so far away from each other that the odds of a single pollen grain from tree A to individual B that is not within its, you know, group of however many species. Uh I mean, we can quickly do the math here. And what is the, what is 46 I'm sorry, 231 divided by 46. That is 5.02. Okay. So so, five. So on average, there's five individuals in each one of these individual sites. Wow. So here's where this tree blew my mind. You read down into, I I was expecting just to say, yeah, let's talk about desertification and why this tree is kind of in a tight spot. This tree is in a tight spot and decided to do something so, so astronomically wild, it blows mm. my shit. Oh my God. <laughs> and I've literally written down here, okay, your holy shit, this tree's incredible. Wow. I saw that, Casey. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, Alex. This tree goes through this process called apomixis. 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 That's my favorite Pokemon. Oh, it is. Oh, really? It's uh, I, I think you're going to come to regret that. <laughs> well, maybe not, because I guess I should be more specific. It does paternal apomixis. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. I know. Alex is like, yeah, I love it when men take over everything. <laughs> what? You motherfucker. The Pokemon thing was a joke. Yeah, I know. All right, that's fair. All right. All right. You reacted like it was real. I Sorry. know. It's because I was trying to, trying to catch in a spot before Ugh. we move on to the next thing, and everyone's like, Alex, really like that? <laughs> So this, I see. this is going to... Th- oh, shit. Well, that went over my head, Casey. <laughs> yes. Today, uh, all we're doing is just shooting across each other's bowels to damn. not hit anything. This is like in ancient Greek, in ancient Greece, when like a common sport was for young men to like outwit each other with their yeah. words. It's like <laughs> rap battles. Did you, did you know about this? No, I didn't. I had no, no it's like a, It was like a kind of a, a hobby among young scholars. You'd kind of have like rap battles and you would try to rhyme... And uh, insult each other. I mean, it literally was a rap battle. I can't believe that. Yeah, that is so. That is so. Like, I feel like that would be a dandy in like Victorian England. Sure, would do yeah. That. Not, yeah. Any, not someone else. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Young, okay, yeah. We're, we're basically doing that. We're just speaking English and saying. Yeah, and we're just not very good at it. Yeah, we're just really bad. This All is our first our try. Come on. Over each other's heads. <laughs> <laughs> no, the crowd doesn't get it. We don't get it. So, I know everyone out there is wondering. Well, a Casey. What was that? What, what what was the premise of that joke? And also, <laughs> could you could you quickly go back and describe what the hell you're talking about? Paternal apomixis. Yes, that is exactly right. Is it a as in like opposite? Yes, exactly. Okay. Or so, anti? Whatever. Precisely. Okay. So apomixis or pomixis, I guess, if you take that away, is essentially uh, apomixis is the idea, rather the biological 
phenomenon mm. where the sex cells, the gametes, are instead of pollinating and getting together where you have the, the ova or ovule, which is the female sex gamete and the male sex gamete, which is the pollen. We're talking like sperm and egg, basically. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sperm and egg, pollen, ovule. Okay. Those two things in plants, at least. And gamete. Uh, it's the bigger term for all of them. Oh, gamete is just any sex cell, like a sperm or an egg. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That is so. That's the male gamete and the female gamete, essentially. Okay. Yes. Don't worry, we're not going to get any further into that this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm having flashbacks to like sophomore year of high school. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone is. Oh, Jesus. We're, we'll cover that in another time in far more detail. Casey will do it by himself. Exactly. That'll just be me <laughs> talking to me, and it's going to be great. Everyone's going to be like, well, this is a really boring show, but uh, Alex, thanks, Casey. Alex playing Zelda in the background. <laughs> Casey, that's really interesting. <laughs> thanks, playing Alex. Snake on my phone. <laughs> Just like sophomore year. That is how, yeah, exactly. That It'll be a flashback to literal <laughs> science class. So so what this is, what uh, apomixis is, yeah. is you have, instead of both of those sex cells, the female and the male gamete coming together, okay. what they do is those are created by meiosis. Mm. Now, by meiosis means that you take a diploid, uh, cell which has two sets of chromosomes okay normally what happens is those in mitosis they split and then a second pair of chromosomes gets added on and then the two cells split entirely and you have a perfect copy of each individual cell both with complete amounts of chromosomes and then that happens like a billion more times. And then you get Alex Croson. Okay. Exactly. I that got it. is Thank you. That is the classic, you now have a fertilized egg and it goes bloop, 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 and becomes an embryo. Then it becomes a little thing. Whether that's a seed or an animal or whatever. So that's like the template. And then they like customize the cells to be like, you're going to be a tongue cell. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be a you're blood. Gonna, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I'm going to put you over here and you're going to be organized like that. And they, all that system is done by the DNA. But first, you gotta like copy and paste a hundred times. Yes. Okay. Now, before those two things are together, those those sets of chromosomes in the diploid or diploid cell, which just means two ploids, so they have two sets of chromosomes. And a ploid is. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't even don't even <laughs> ask that question. Oh, jeez. Um, so. Well, we'll get. I'm not even gonna go down there because I don't, right. I don't technically have an answer because oh. it's all this like intense like cellular sexual reproduction kind of talk. I mean, yeah. Once once you introduce that many sort of terms, each term introduces another couple terms. Yes, it is like meiosis in itself. It is, and your brain splits in half. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the the mitosis <sighs> is when you get those two complete cells. Okay, got it. Meiosis, uh -huh. as opposed to mitosis. No T. Exactly. Meiosis is when they split, but they don't add a second reproduction. So now you have two haploids. The haploids okay. only have half the chromosomes. That is a sex cell. If you then, those are the sex cells, so then you have one, the pollen goes and finds this ovule, and then gets together. The ovule has done the same thing. They take their two halves and put them together for a whole. And now you have a fertilized embryo that then becomes a seed. And now you have a third genetically distinct individual from the two parents with half the DNA of each. I think I got it. Excellent. Now, 
the tree. Oh, there's more? Fuck. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. So <laughs> now that we have built this foundation, we're going to build our house on top of it. Uh, can I just say really quickly, Casey? Yeah. Um, mitosis and meiosis. Yeah. Um, meiosis is just like mitosis, but like the Boston version. You're so right, man. Because there's no T. <laughs> Is this like uh, the 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 tea party yes, thing? Yes, yeah, they exactly. threw it on the harbor. Exactly. So all this is is just. I was wondering if this was an accent thing or if this was a a callback to that. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's the Boston version of mitosis. My heart is racing you from do? how how poorly that flopped. No, 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 that did not flop. <laughs> that that was like a graceful duck landing oh. into into a like a perfectly still stream. I, I note that it's not a swan. It's still a duck. <laughs> it's, it's still a waterfowl. But it did fowl, land okay? really beautifully. It did look nice. <laughs> All right. Okay, so apomixis is when instead of them coming together and fertilizing, and this is a general thing, I did so much research into this. I am not a geneticist, nor am I someone who's doing a whole shit ton of research. So this is going to be the Casey Clapp arbitrary version. Love it. They get together, and apomixis is when instead of having those two things come together, uh-huh. one of them just does it all themselves. So the um. let's say the the female gamete just puts itself back together essentially and splits internally. Wow. And then brings itself back together. And then you get 100% clonal DNA creating a viable seed of the maternal mother or the maternal uh, organism. 100% DNA from the maternal gamete. Exactly. So it makes a, wow. a viable seed from a viable embryo from only the DNA of one side. So this would, uh, uh, to humanize it, yeah. this would be as if a woman with, uh, um, with, a, uh, with a womb and ovaries yeah. could like pass an egg into her womb yes. and into her uterus uh-huh. and just like start growing a baby all on her own. Exactly. I believe in animals it's called parthenogenesis. That is science fiction. It is. Now, Alex, there is this it, that's very common in like the rose family is in really? Poaceae, the grass family. Yeah. It's like dandelions do this, rowan trees do it. Wow. It's it's not uncommon. So they don't need to pollinate. They don't need to pollinate. Okay. Now it's better if they do. Because they get this this new influx of genes and they can get new adaptations. Holy and shit. it could potentially make them better at, at, at whatever the thing is that they're doing. Interesting. However, there has been, at least at the time, only one instance that they found in the entire plant kingdom of this happening on the paternal <gasps> side. What? Don't tell me. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary. No, I'm just kidding. Oh God! <laughs> As Casey, is this one example yes. of a paternal asexual reproduction in the Sahara Cypress? Yes. Holy shit! Now they have found it in a couple different plants since this initially came out because all these okay. very first articles. I think it was like 2000, 2001 when they very first came out. Okay. Um, they have since found it in a couple other different plants. I think maybe about thirty or so. Well, I think thirty or so do the the maternal. Very few do the paternal. Mm-hmm. And what makes that very curious for what we're talking about is that our tree is the only conifer the only gymnosperm that does this at all there's not a single other one 
not another cypress, not another pine, not another cycad, nothing. And how many conifers are there? 400 and some? Um, there, I know there's more conifer. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There are 611, 630, something like that. Okay. Conifers. And then there are like gymnosperms as a larger group that's, that includes like the ginkgos and the, uh, mm. the cycads, a couple other weird, well, witchy eye, weird plants. Okay. There's, there's probably a couple thousand. Total. Okay. Okay. Damn. So, yeah. This is the only one, Alex. Wow. And here's how it works. Are you ready for this? I think so, Casey. Okay. So pollen from tree A comes over and this pollen is the male gamete. So we're going to call this the paternal uh, parent, okay. paternal uh, provider here okay. of the pollen. Pollen floats over to cone uh, B from tree B. It finds the ovule of tree B, which is the maternal tree. The pollen lands on and fuses with this, uh, this ovule, mm-hmm. but it does not fuse the DNA it kicks out the nucleus of the maternal part and then just starts reproducing itself with only the paternal DNA. Now, if you remember, seeds are basically the seed germ, which is the embryo attached to a lunchbox filled with nutrients and food. Mm -hmm. The paternal part, the, the pollen starts to reproduce itself and starts to be the embryo. So it essentially just internally splits and then becomes diploid, which is a fertile part. Remember we said earlier that there's only 10% of the, the of tree the that does this. Of the seeds are fertile, yeah. Yeah, it's because this tree kind of is is just, just fucked up. Like it has Whoa. had so much inbreeding where it doesn't always just reproduce properly and create these, these diploid cells. Oh. Sometimes it has triploid. Sometimes it has more or less. Sometimes it's haploid. <clears throat> sometimes it's got none at all. So the trees have been inbreeding and it's been causing them trouble as it does. So now they send their pollen over. They fertilize or They, they don't fertilize. That's the thing. They don't actually fertilize the egg. They kick the other nucleus out. They reproduce themselves, but they use the maternal tree to continue growing the seed, to continue growing the fruit. So you go to this tree B, which would be the maternal tree, and you take the seed out of the cone and you go and you test the DNA of the seed germ that is paternal DNA. The tree that then pops up from this seed is identical in terms of DNA oh. and extremely similar in terms of the morphology uh-huh. of the plant to the paternal parent. Wow. The maternal parent, though, provides all those nutrients, provides the lunchbox that is inside the seed called the endosperm. It's the big stuff like what we eat. Uh, you get a walnut. That's mostly endosperm. That's just the food that the germ oh, is eating. The the nut material? Exactly. It's like there's the... Uh, the lunch. The, that's yeah, the pack lunch. Exactly. It's pack lunch for the embryo to eat. Okay. So... Wow. The mother is literally, and I don't mean this in any figurative sense, it's a surrogate for a clone wow. of the paternal parent. That is wild, Casey. Ah. And you know what? I followed you through that whole thing. Yes! (laughs) I understand it fully. I'm so happy to hear it because this is like such a mind-blowing thing. Holy shit. It's crazy. Now this, this, like you said, this is 
very rare. This is so rare. This is the only gymnosperm to do it. The only conifer to do it. And, and one it, out of a handful of plants, peer, or, or yeah, exactly. animals, or uh, yes. I guess that's all there is. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very, very <laughs> rare. Wow, that's incredible, Casey. So yeah. let's. I'm going to recap. Okay. Little sperm pollen. Yep. Through wind pollination, although yep. not so much anymore. Yep. Uh, lands on the receptacle of the of the essentially like the flower part, the receptacle of the female plant. Yes. That usually in plants would say, ah, thank you, pollen. Yep. Let's use our DNA to create those, a third party. Exactly. Those two gametes come together. Yes. But here, that sneaky little pollen molecule. Yeah gets in there and says, oh, you know what? I think I live here now. I'm just going to do this myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this by myself. Kicks the, kicks the maternal DNA out. Yep. But uses all of her resources. Exactly. And grows a... Cl- this is the most narcissistic process I've ever heard. <laughs> It is. Wow. So so here's the thing. Just to add one other layer onto this. Please. It will also do this to the Italian or what most people call the Mediterranean cypress. Oh, wow. So these are two different species. And they did a study where they had a controlled crossbreeding of a paternal Capressus duprezii. And they pollinated and then grew 15 trees that were Capressus Sempervirens, mm-hmm. the Italian or Mediterranean cypress. They then waited 15 years, or I think six years maybe, and then they looked at the trees and they compared the DNA and all these morphological uh, different parts. And I will tell you what they found. They looked at the orientation of the twigs, the percentage of filled seeds, meaning seeds that are inside that actually have uh, some amount of viable germ in them. Okay. They looked at the pollen ploidy levels, whatever that means. I guess they're diploid in, in Duprezia. They looked at all these different morphological traits. They were all identical to the male tree. Wow. Which was Duprezia. A different species. Then they looked at the uh, the DNA identical to the paternal tree, Holy which shit. is the one that did the pollen. The pollen, even in this other species, will do the same thing. It will paternally use its own DNA to clone itself in the surrogate of either species uh, that is very closely related or in its own species. This is how you take over the world, Casey. This is exactly how you take over the world. Spooky. Now, so here's here's my question. This is this is the thing that I had to had to kind of think about. It's also not working. There's 200 of them left. It, exactly. But <laughs> Alex, why are they doing it? Everyone is kind of wondering this. They're saying, okay, why is this? But we'll we'll have to save that for later because here's my question. Without wondering why, let's just talk about, okay, is this a thing that the trees are doing against the will of the other tree mm. or with the will of the other tree? Interesting. So our, uh, our lovely uh, fungal associate, I'm going to assume she's a fungal associate, hmm. Suzanne Samard. Oh, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> duh. Suzanne Samard has really been a pioneer explaining that trees do not work always in competition. Mm. They work in collaboration with each other. That's right. So 
without adding too much uh, anthropomorphizing onto this, which forgive me if there is, which there is, <laughs> is is this a takeover by the Sahara Cypress? Wow. Is this tree essentially found itself in this weird situation where it's just 100% inbreeding and it has evolved this ability to clone itself in other trees because of two things. One, it is in dire straits. So it kind of takes on this, uh, this approach of, well, everything is working really badly right now. So the DNA essentially malfunctions and just keeps on repeating itself. Mm. And so it kind of goes in, does everything normal, but then kind of short circuits and then just starts doing it all itself. Whoa. You know? Uh-huh. And then, like, I don't know, it's almost like a virus where it goes in there, yeah. affects what the normal DNA should do, and then uses this whole thing almost like a gall or something. I imagine it more like a cancer. Yes, exactly. But it doesn't <clears throat> grow out of the ordinary. It doesn't do anything wrong. It just kind of circumvents the normal stuff and uses it for its own benefit. Yeah. Because it doesn't like a cancer causes problems, right? Like it ends up like throwing everything off, which is again, it's not analogous necessarily to how trees function, but your point is very well taken. A virus also does the same thing. It, it, puts its own DNA into something and then changes how something works so that it reproduces more virus. Right. So this is kind of doing the same thing, but it doesn't like do it in a malicious way, Mm. which is, it's like, I I just, I can't quite quite put my, I can't, I, I guess I'm uncomfortable saying this tree is maliciously just cloning itself. Yeah. But here's the opposite. What if it's a partnership? What if the the kick out narrative that we just used mm-hmm. is the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. What if the uh, the Mediterranean cypress is more like you are in dire straits mm. and there is some chemical thing going on at this very very base biological level where this tree has inbred itself to the point where it has now evolved this special function. This special function is somehow communicated to the other tree mm. and the other tree's like. Oh yeah, you're about to die out. Why don't I be your surrogate? Yeah, and I will recreate your seed. Yeah, you can crash at my place. Yeah, exactly. You're on hard times. Wait till you get back on your feet. Yeah, I think I kind of like that. It's not a bad way to look at it. I mean, if we're going to be looking at these in these kind of pseudo hundred percent reasons, maybe. So you're kind of you're kind of proposing, and I'm I'm extrapolating off of your point that this is not even really reproduction. This is like an SOS like yes. we're sending our skate pods with our civilians. Yes. They might land on your planet. Please take care of them. They're going to be clones of us. Yeah. We're going to fucking die right here. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of like that. That kind of do do that approach to this yeah. idea, Casey. And then like, I it's, it seems like almost that they would get them back on their feet. Like imagine somehow this <clears throat> pollen lands in this other closely related species that has this way better habitat. Uh-huh. Then that tree then creates seeds. The new or the, the new additional species. Now you have two species growing right next to each other. They're now working together to rehab that species. Wow. I don't know. I have a third option. What's yours? That this is a living fossil. Oh, and we just haven't found any 
proof of it. Oh. And so that this whole process comes from, you know, a, a, de- a, a time out of time. Yeah. Uh, and that this is just how it used to do things and how it continues to do things, but it's the only one on earth. It's the only one on earth that that's continues the, to do it. That's the big, that's the big, uh, smoking gun I should, ah, or, or maybe not the opposite of a smoking gun. The one piece of evidence you find that's like, yeah, like this changes everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh shit. But what about the red dress? <laughs> yeah. I think you might be onto something. I don't know. And I know there are people that are like looking into this. Sure. But honestly, the one, <laughs> the, I love the idea of like these, they're just Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> they're just looking into yeah, maybe, it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I don't know, but unfortunately, I guess I don't want to say unfortunately, <clears throat> but like the one article that I found, um, a great scientific article by the guys who like initially found this mm. and like proposed it and then did the research and said, yeah, this is, this is happening. We're pretty sure this is the first time anyone has ever noticed this wow. in any plant ever before they found it in some others. But here's the thing. They basically like, this could be a really important thing to study for seedless or fruitless Mm. varieties of this tree. So they note specifically, if we can, if we can kind of work with this, then we could maybe help get a tree to reproduce, but that third reproduction will have no cones at all or no viable seeds or nothing that we need to worry about because it essentially reproduces itself in a way that doesn't produce good viable clones or something. Yeah. But they were like, yeah, this could be a good way to, you know, for the, the cultivars, they could make new varieties of trees that have these certain things. So it's kind of this, this weird genetic middle ground where they're like, we might be able to use this to our advantage in these other applications. But I'm kind of with you where I'm like, this might be like some weird evolutionary thing that either has been here the whole time that we mm-hmm. didn't know about, or that we're now learning about, and we're able to say, "Hold on, if we, if maybe other trees get to this point of having a couple thousand years worth of inbreeding and becoming very, very small, two hundred and thirty-one individuals, are they down to the point of inbreeding and stress that they are actually changing how they fundamentally hmm. move forward?" as a evolutionary mm. response to continue themselves. Interesting. Like that's a huge, like, holy shit moment. Like, yeah. does this, does this plant, like, did it just evolve a, an entirely novel form of reproduction because it's in such a like dire place right now? You know what they say, Casey, nature finds a way. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. We hope you enjoyed those ads. It's time for our review, Casey. Which is very exciting. I, honestly, Alex, have not even had time to consider a review on this tree. Wow. Normally, I kind of think about it a Uh little bit. I've been too, too off. You were in presenter mode. Yes, and also, like, it's the, the whole concept of everything is is wild and yeah. i we should note if you want to hear more about this because there's like a whole other half that we had to cut oh yeah go join the patreon to hear this extra sort of section of like now there's one more bit where alex is like casey you know you do not say there's one more at the end of this so you're gonna have to join the wow. patreon to hear it but this is like just one of the most fascinating 
tree things that I've come across without someone saying, you know, there's this tree that does this thing mm. and that everyone knows about, oh, it's a living fossil. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, that's the standard <laughs> thing everyone says about, you know, the ginkgo or the Don Redwood or something. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I, no one has ever brought up to me. I've never heard it. Wow. Yet it's one of the most fascinating things. We got to get on the horn with Radiolab. We case. do. Yeah, we got to tell them. Um, I, I also want to say that you, you yourself have done a bit of evolving um, you have, uh, you have found a way to compete with my telling you we can't add another 35 minutes. <laughs> You're like, hmm, what if we make a picture? What if we give this <laughs> to all the people who we love? You outcompeted me. Yes. Um, and now I must die. Uh, <laughs> no, no, just fit a different niche, dude. You're fine. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to get into baseball or something. <laughs> uh, Casey, it's time for our review of the Sahara Cypress. Here's how it works. We're going to get some final thoughts on this wonderful tree. And then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. As a resident, I'll say researcher. Uh, yes, thank you. We'll begin with you. All righty. So this, uh, this little tree is just kind of very fascinating to me. Um, I think it's beautiful, and I think that, well, I should also note, it's very endangered, like extra super endangered. I see that it's critically endangered. Yes, that is the proper term. However, it is not, as one would think, the most rare species of cypress Mm. in the world. That would actually go to the Cayumaca cypress, Ooh. which is Cupressus stevensonii. Is that a, a Japanese? Um... That is not. That actually grows down in outside of um, San Diego, California, oh. in the state park by the same name, Cayumaca. Cayumaca. Okay. And here's the thing. There's like, uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say like the, the exact number because I don't know if they have it because mm-hmm. also it was like burnt up by a big fire a couple years oh, ago. Shit. But it's, it's come back because these are like fire uh, adapted trees. Okay. But that is the one that they would officially say is the most rare because they grow in a, an area that's like, it's like, I don't know, maybe a couple square miles. Like on the one side of this one mountain in this one space. Woof. That's where the tree grows. Damn. That is it. It's just hanging on by a thread, huh? Yeah. So this is like the next level kind of thing mm. where cypresses just find their way. Like, I don't know if it's because they're so ancient and they're just kind of on their way out or if the climate is changing and they're just not, you know, they're they're on their way out because of that. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But cypresses just always tend to be these like really fascinating trees that have these weird things going on. And I think that's really fascinating. I think that it looks extraordinarily beautiful mm-hmm. and you can apparently buy it and plant it all over the place. Funny enough, it's critically endangered, but it is quite available in the trades. If you are really? looking around to get it. Now, I don't know 100% in the United States if that's the case. Uh-huh. Probably if you go a little bit further south where it gets a little bit more um, dry, you'd probably more find Mediterranean. more. Mediterranean. Exactly. Um, but I, you can find it on nursery sites all over the place. Hoyt Arboretum has a couple new ones that wow. are being planted uh, in the last couple of years. So they're available and they're out there, okay. which is kind of nice. It's kind of like the uh, Wollamai pine where uh-huh. you can actually find that like often nowadays, even though it used to be so endangered and no one could find it. So the ones at Hoyt, they don't count toward the 231 no, specimens. No, we're only talking about the the natural ones that live in uh, their natural habitat. The native range. Yes, correct. Okay. 
So I think I'm going to go with like, I think I'm going to go like, I'm going to go 8.3. That's great. Yeah. Because any tree that can just take it, I think it's just super cool. Like, yeah. They also are these cultural phenomenon where, like you were saying, they are named. Uh, mm. You said you you looked up those names earlier on mm-hmm. this uh, little kind of side project we did and recorded. <laughs> Can you share some of those names? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Because I would just love to hear them. And I just think that a tree that is so important, yet it's also, it stands out so specifically that a whole culture and people have named every single one individually. It's like, you know, we name our trees. There's a giant sequoia. There's this tree. There's the, that tree. But it's not like we have named every single giant sequoia. This is, we've named every single one of these trees or near enough to where it doesn't matter. But I just think that's the coolest thing. I think they're beautiful. I think we should plant more of them and I think we should not cut them down. But it is a, it's just, it's a fascinating tree. And I don't know how I feel, Alex. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Hmm. To its, um, its, its paternal, I think this is the only time that I might be okay with someone referring to trees as being sexist or misogynist <laughs> because this tree is actively yeah. the male part as far as you know biology is concerned mm-hmm. is just taking over the, yeah. the female as a surrogate mm-hmm. and not letting the genes go but because they they are both monoecious the tree that is the surrogate for the other tree is doing the same thing to the other trees you know Oh, wow. Oh, because sure. They're, they're yeah. both male and female at the same time. Generational trauma, man. Exactly. So it's like, I'm doing this because it was done to me. Yeah. Yeah. So every tree is a perpetrator and a victim all at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> if, does that count as an ism if it's just universal uh, in both directions? Now that's an antihero. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so here, here are some names of these, of these individual specimens. Tamrit. Okay. Tifatest. Tinharwida. <sighs> These, I, I want to, do you know what these mean? Do they have translations? No, unfortunately Ah, not. well, good. May it always be so. Armazar. Tick- Armazar. When, yeah, Armazar is probably my favorite. That's great. Uh, it sounds like some sort of uh, Armazar, like some sort of warrior. Yeah, exactly. Um, Janet. We were. <laughs> with a D at the, at the beginning. Also a warrior. So it's D Janet. Yeah, D, like, like Django, like uh, Janet. That's so great. Um, yeah. Uh, see, I just think it's so great. So I, rad. I kind of imagine that they're named after either the. Uh, environmental situation where yes, they are. the or, one by the flat rocks. Right, or yeah. like people. Yeah, exactly, which I think is just so good. Um, Casey, what, what do you think? 8.3 is what I believe 8. I 3. Yeah, okay. 8.3. I love what I've learned about this tree. Okay. I love its sort of lore. Um, I love its really curious way of reproducing itself. Um, I sympathize with it that it's uh, uh, critically endangered. Sometimes I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like I like its etymology, Casey. Yeah. Uh, Tarot. Uh, it's so good, isn't the it? The esophagus and lungs of a grazing animal. That's just so fucking cool. Yeah. I also love that they specifically say of a grazing animal. Yeah. Like it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, ultimately, right? It it's uh, the same as a human's. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that about it. I love its, uh, I love its um, sort of uh, 
I love the unique characteristics it has. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of all around unique. It almost doesn't even feel like a tree. Yeah, really, yeah. That's um, I think it's very fair. Because it shares so little with with most trees, right? A bit of an introvert. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's it's literally one of a kind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Every single one is one of a kind. Yes. You I, guys got to join Patreon. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We talked for about, I don't know, 30 minutes about that stuff. Um, boy, Case. I'm in the eight range as well. I'm okay. going to say I'm gonna say 8.1. 8.1? Golden Cones of Honor. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you, you like it. I do. I feel like there's something I'm missing. I'm, I'm misremembering like I was going to bring up, uh, but I can, I can do that later. Hey, that was our review of the Sahara Cypress. We hope you enjoyed it. It's time, Casey, yes. for our completely arbitrary Q and A. I have a question. Okay. What do we got? This week's question, as every week, is from the Patreon at the $3 Q&A Quercus and Alder tier. This one's from Nick. Nick asks, fall is approaching fast. Interesting point. (laughs) If I'm going camping, what sort of trees downed limbs should I look for to build the perfect campfire for Mm. s'mores? Now, Casey, I chose this question because I'm actually going camping this weekend. Oh, so this is hold on if you if you rearrange Nick oh my god it's just uh, Alex <laughs> uh, I love falsely claiming anagrams <laughs> yeah. so funny so Casey what do you think um, yes I thought we could dial in here and say I'm gonna be I'm gonna be camping on the Oregon coast okay so, kind of central Oregon coast yes and what trees should I be looking for to collect? limbs from okay fallen limbs of course yes and that is actually we should make a note uh don't break off living <laughs> limbs from trees mm-hmm. uh even if it doesn't really matter for the tree you're gonna have a poor fire because it's, oh, it's wet wood full of water exactly it's not gonna burn very well even in the so middle of summer a, a tree is full of water as long as it's alive it sure is so in the uh in the case of uh the oregon coast it is well known by everyone and has been for thousands of years mm. that Douglas fir makes the best firewood. Wow. Tell me why. Um, I don't know why. Um, in terms of like the biology of the tree, uh-huh. but in terms of what humans tend to believe is the best fire, uh, it's a fire that doesn't have a lot of big pops in it. Oh. And it makes low amount of smoke. And it burns very regularly, but also at a high temperature. But not like a giant high temperature and not too low. So that tells me that it's a pretty dense wood. Yep. And it does. It uh, maybe doesn't have a lot of water or or sap. Yeah. Well, this would be mostly if you let it season for just a little bit. So let some of the water evaporate out okay. maybe over so over the course of a summer. Or you know, most people on big wood would let it sit for a year or two. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's like you know, giant, like you know, couple feet in diameter kind of stuff. You really got to get ahead of your of your fucking firewood. You sure do. Or just go out and find a tree that fell a couple years ago, right? And then you're good to go. Oh sure. Yeah. So the pop, the low popping. Yeah. Does the popping come from water uh, yeah a little bit it's like little uh bits of sap sometimes but Mm -hmm. it also has to do with how much water is in it where water gets hot and then becomes steam steam is just essentially water that's expanded so it puts pressure on it so as soon as the wood Mm. gets burnt enough to where that water vapor can escape then it pops it out crack yeah okay so there's that but then there's also sap that does the same thing sap gets really hot and Mm -hmm. then if it's inside the wood and it can't get out soon as that wood burns down just a little bit then you get this 
okay. kind of thing. Is sap flammable? Yes, very much so. Okay, yeah. I it's thought got terpenes so. in it. But I certainly I suddenly felt stupid asking. No, no, it's a fine, fine thing to ask. Um, okay. Um, so that's really good option. If you don't have that, red alder is another really good option. Red alder. Yeah, it burns very, very consistently. Okay. And out in the Oregon coast, it is just everywhere. Uh-huh. So you can find lots of both of those species, really. Sicca spruce is also a pretty good one. It has less sap, so it doesn't burn quite as hot, quite as easy, because sap actually burns really, really toasty. Mm. Um, And then the western red cedar would be fine, but it burns and adds a certain flavor to things. So, like, you know, uh, salmon, you cook it on a plank, kind of adds this kind of woody flavor. So you don't necessarily want that on a s'more. Because it's very like it's a it's a, a savory flavor in my opinion, not a sweet flavor. You want a neutral or or sweet, yes, kind of wood. Exactly, but of course you also just want like the the smoky f- feel to it, like it's kind of adds to yeah. it. So I would say lean away from the western red cedar. Okay, go towards Douglas fir, towards your alder. Okay, um, there's also big leaf maple out there that burns really cleanly and fair, but a lot of times uh, that you'd have to. Get a soft, very dense wood uh, mm. once you start getting into it. So sometimes that's not as uh, approachable. Uh, if you've got a question for us, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod, or just search completely arbitrary Patreon. You'll find it. We got a bunch of different tiers at a bunch of different p- price points. Oh, I hate that phrase. Um, <laughs> If you want to support the podcast, that is the best way to do it. We also have a merch store. If you want some sweet arbitrary swag, arbitrarypod.com slash merch. Uh, we got some other news coming on that, too. Yes, we sure do. Um, of course, the crown jewel of the Patreon. The most popular, I will say, by far, by far, by far, is the Cone of the Month Club. Every month, you receive an illustrated conifer cone sticker wow i said that really perfectly huh you did you nailed it dude you nailed it (laughs) we we get a different artist every month to illustrate a cone we put it in an envelope with an info card and we ship it off to you and it's a nice little uh it's a nice little treat once a month you get a new sticker and you can build your own cone collection and you support this podcast that you listen to if you get to the end of your month and you think hey that was worth 10 bucks all that all that content I got from Completely Arbitrary. That's right. We would love if you would share it with us however much you want. That's right. Consider signing up. Uh, Casey Clapp. Alex Crescent. What a lovely episode we've had. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you said that because I'm having a very good time with it. This Me is, too. This is one that I had a lot of fun researching. I have to say, I did like extra research by accident. Wow. Because I was just like, this is curious. And yeah. usually when we do that, we ended up like splitting things off and doing a couple different things with a couple different trees, mm-hmm. but we couldn't do that with this species. Yeah, everything that had to do with it had to do with it, <laughs> and they were all connected. So I mean, that's that's very on brand for this tree. It's isn't just it? crazy. Yeah, yeah. And for that, a little appendix. Also, go join the Patreon. It's at right. least the five dollar tier, the Arboretum. That's our bonus episode tier. And with that, we say. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Adieu. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. 
and find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.